You know, when I began my athletic career, calisthenics was a major part of it, mastering your body weight and free weight training. And all the uh, machines and gyms at that time were the initial fixed axis and universal type machines and Nautilus machines. And one of the things I noticed right away as a young man is that I was very, very strong on these machines, but there were guys that were like taking Olympic weightlifting training and stuff like that could, that could easily outlift me with a free weight. And so immediately I realized that no matter how strong you were on those machines, it did not convert to improved athletic performance or the functional ability to actually lift a free weight. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. Now, that voice you heard in the beginning is a guest for this episode, and actually, 100% honesty, this is a little bit of a rerun. I recorded this interview with Paul Check, I think, way back in uh, 2016, in the first year of doing All About Fitness. And in my recent interview, in my recent conversation with Dorian Yates, we got into a discussion about spirituality, about you know, for years, you know, if you're into fitness, you work on the outside, right? You know, a lot of us get into exercise and, you know, we get so focused on what we look like. We get so focused on the ex- extrinsic, you know, what, what people see on the outside, what we see in the mirror. A lot of times we forget that true fitness comes from within. True fitness starts from the inside and, you know, eventually radiates to the outside. And that's the conversation that I wanted to have with Paul. Now, we all, have, we all have people who are very influential on us, right? I mean, we all have somebody, a coach, a teacher, you know, a relative, not just your parents, but somebody who really had an impact on what you're doing. And Paul is one of those people that really had an impact on my career as a personal trainer. The first time I heard uh, Paul Check give a talk was, I want to say 19, yeah, it was 1999. It was 1999. I was at my first conference, fitness conference at a place down in Miami. And, and he really, he blew me away with his approach to fitness. And I went to a number of his talks, his lectures, his workshops over the next few years. And it really, one of the things you're going to hear today is that Paul definitely, Paul definitely comes at fitness from a different point of view. And if you, if you go shop organic, if you pay attention to what you eat because you might have a gluten intolerance, or you try to limit your availability of gluten, if you, you know, if you really practice functional training, a lot of those things were really influenced by Paul. You know, the first time I heard somebody talk about, you know, eating organic only food was Paul back in the late 90s. The first time I heard mention of a gluten intolerance was from Paul back in the early 2000s. He really, and he was one of the first ones to really, you know, to get people thinking about moving away from the equipment and start focusing on movement. All those reasons are why I'm replaying this replaying this episode. I went back to the rack. I, I, I brought up Paul's name when I was interviewing Dorian, and it got me thinking. I was like, I haven't listened to that conversation in years. I went back and listened to it, and wow, this is a powerful conversation. We talk about fitness. We talk about nutrition. And we talk a little bit about spirituality. I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation today. However, before I go any further, I just want to say a few special shouts out to People who DM me, sent me messages. I really, if you're a listener of All About Fitness, I really appreciate it. You can reach me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. So I want to give the shouts out to Michelle Gordon. Michelle, I really appreciate your listening. I really appreciate your sharing that episode 
uh, through Instagram. I want to give a special thank you to Christine Byrne. Um, Christine and I collaborated on an article recently, and that was really cool. It was was talking about the article was about kind of exercise habits while we're home during the COVID-19 quarantine. A big thank you to Amber Tool. Amber is a friend, become a friend down in uh, beautiful Alabama. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not going to see each other at our usual conference this year because I got canceled, but we had a nice little message exchange. And to Amanda Grace, I know Amanda's a regular listener. I want to say a big congratulations. Looks like you got a couple of life changes going on right now, but I want to say thank you for listening. And as always, thank you for sharing the the podcast episodes. And to Delaney, I think it's Delaney, is her Instagram handle is crow like a bird. I want to say thank you uh, for that message. That was really cool. I really appreciate that. So for all of you listening to All About Fitness, feel free to shoot me a message via Instagram or you can email me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. I always like to have input, like to have your feedback on what you'd like to hear and about the, the programs I'm putting out there. Now, a separate note on programs, I do now have, uh, and this is, again, it's kind of fun. I want to talk about these because of the episode with Paul, but the exercise programs I have for sale, and that's the way you can support All About Fitness is I'm not taking advertising dollars, but the exercise programs I have for sale, Dumbbell Strength, kettlebell conditioning, and functional core training are all based on movement patterns. They're based on how your body's designed to move. There's some very specific fundamental movement patterns that we can all do. You know, when we were born, we didn't learn how to extend our knee or do a biceps curl. We learned how to move. If you want want exercise programs for the way your body's designed to move, check out down below. If you use code AAF2020, that's AAF2020, you'll pay a little bit less than $20 for each eight-week program. And each program includes strength training, mobility training, core training, metabolic conditioning, everything you need. So if you're looking for great ideas, if you're looking for a great challenge, an eight-week program will get you in the best shape of your life by focusing on movements. Now let's get back to the interview with Paul. Paul is a fabulous educator. He really looks at the world from a much different point of view And this was, again, listening to this, going back through the editing process, this was just as enlightening now in 2020 as it was when we first recorded it in 2016. Here we go with Paul Check. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and it's indeed an honor and a privilege today to have with me uh, Paul Check from the Check Institute. Paul, can you give us a quick little background of of your bio and, and what it is that you do? Okay, well, I'm a holistic health practitioner by license uh, in the state of California. That means I can use any means uh, that is natural to help people with pretty much any kind of problem, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, life crisis challenges, spiritual challenges. And I began my career as an athlete, as a motocross racer, a boxer, a martial artist, played pretty much every sport I could play when I was young. And then I became the trainer. I was a fighter on the U.S. Army boxing team in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, when I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. And I also represented the Army in triathlon. And because the company commander wanted me to win the triathlon, because he was betting a lot of money, he offered me to leave the boxing team and train for triathlon full time. So when I told the coaches I was I had that offer, they immediately asked me to stay and become the trainer because they thought my training methods were very unique and I was pretty much the only guy on the team that could fight hard all through all three rounds. 
So I got to work with an osteopathic physician who was the team medical doctor for two years where I learned to care for acute sports injuries. And I got to apply all my studies of holistic health, nutrition, and uh, I had spent a lot of time studying weightlifting. So I got to apply basically all my conditioning knowledge, all my nutritional knowledge, and I wanted to do massage therapy for the fighters because it had been so helpful for me as a triathlete in particular. So I took on the responsibilities of nutrition, designing all their exercise programs or all their conditioning, um, managing their massage therapy, working with the doctor to care for the injuries, which there was, as you can imagine, a lot of with 30 full-time elite fighters training six plus hours a day, seven days a week. And I also managed the entire gym facility and that launched my career. And then I decided I wanted to move to San Diego, California, because that was the mecca of triathlon training. So I came here, got my license as a sports massage therapist, and then did my studies to get my holistic health practitioner's license. I also studied neuromuscular therapy with Paul St. John and completed that, studied medical exercise therapy with various teachers at different locations in the world, and then just continued to find the best experts in any field that I could to learn from them. I then got asked to work for the largest physical therapy clinic in San Diego in 1988. And at that time, I also began traveling around in the United States giving lectures on the integration of exercise, uh, neuromuscular therapy, and diet and lifestyle principles. And I worked with 22 physical therapists and we had a surgical center there with 13 orthopedic and neurosurgeons. So I was able to attend a lot of surgeries and I've done five complete cadaver dissections in my career. And I was able to learn a lot from the physical therapists and they uh, traded knowledge with me. And then I opened my own physical therapy clinic with a partner, which we ran in La Jolla, California for three years. And then due to the insurance companies basically ripping us off so badly, we couldn't make enough money to make it worthwhile. So I decided that I wanted to only work with people that I could work with and do what I was really here to do, which was properly assess and guide them. So I opened the Czech Institute in 95 and went to a cash pay system and then spent the rest of my career, which is now 32 years I've been doing this, studying and traveling and just learning from the best people I could find anywhere in the world on every topic that I thought was relevant. And I specialized in medical failures. So almost all the people that came to see me were people that had been through a lot of various types of treatments, surgical uh, interventions, and were by all means failing. Nobody knew what to do with them. And using the holistic approach that I've woven into the entire Czech Institute system, I was able to rehabilitate and greatly improve pretty much every single one of those people. And I've also been successful at taking professional athletes that were medically retired due to injuries, rehabilitating them and putting them back in the game, some of them going on to make 20, more, 20 million more dollars than they would have if they had been uh, stuck in their retirement phase. So in summary, I'm a holistic health practitioner. Uh, my mother's a yogi, so I have a strong influence from um, yoga. 
and the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and the Self-Realization Fellowship. I was sent by my mother to a summer camp when I was 15, where I spent the summer learning meditation techniques and methods for living well and understanding what a spiritual life was. And I've been involved in meditation, Tai Chi. I studied medical Qigong, and I've been practicing those arts consistently, well, meditation on and off when I was a kid. But then once I got into Tai Chi and Qigong, it kind of rekindled my interest in meditation. So uh, probably for about 20 years now, I've been very, very consistent with Tai Chi, Qigong, and various types of meditation, which I teach and I'm sure you're familiar with from the zone exercises in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And so that's pretty much what I do. And I still consult people from all over the world with all kinds of problems and uh, run the institute and develop new programs. And that's pretty much a, 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 as quick a summary as I could give. Really. I mean, it's, it's an extensive background. And, and for the listeners, I mean, I, one of the things that why I'm really interested in, in speaking with Paul and kind of what we're going to go into is, you know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, when I first started going to workshops, Paul, you were the first one I heard talking about the necessity of organic food. You're the first yeah. one I heard ever mention something called a gluten intolerance. You know, yes. you even, you even, even in the early 2000s, you know, you, you're talking about the necessity of, of squat, of, of pooping from a squatting position. And now we have something being sold on Amazon called the squatty potty. So, yeah. you know, you've been, in my opinion, just from, 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 you know, being a, being a um, fan of yours and reading your work over the years, you've been light years ahead of where the rest of the fitness industry is. How'd you make that, how'd you make that, you know, evolution from being like a fighter, a very alpha, a very kind of hard charging to somebody who really seems very centered and grounded. I mean, and, and into this holistic, cause if you, you know, to listen to your, your background from boxing for the army, especially with the airborne to now, that's a huge change. How'd that evolution occur? Well, I think it really began when I was 12. My mother was a Christian scientist and my father was quite physically abusive of her and left her when I was probably five years old. And then my father drowned when I was eight. And my mother was really quite emotionally distraught. And then she married another guy who physically abused her and us. And when she became a yogi, I I saw such a radical shift in her ability to manage stress, manage my stepfather, manage the challenges of life, that it had a, a significant calming and stabilizing effect on me. And I had already been in trouble when, when I was in church asking questions that the, the pastors and various preachers or whatever didn't want to answer and would kind of step aside, and then I would get told not to ask questions, which was very frustrating for me. So the first time my mother took me to the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple, and they did the opening prayer, I had a very profound experience of being with my people, I would say, at home, and I was only 12 years old. And they began the first, the opening prayer by saying, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, Paramahansa Yogananda, Sri Yukteswar, Lahiri Mahashai, Babaji, Krishna, saints and sages, saints and sages of all religions, we humbly bow to you all. And 
it was like a lightning bolt went through me and I, for the first time, felt safe and like I was actually with adults, not people that were just as lost as the kids all around me. And so even though I had a lot of life force energy and a lot of pain and a lot of emotion that I needed to move out of me as part of my healing that led me into boxing, martial arts, and the combative sports because it allowed me to move that energy out in a safe way instead of you know getting into street fights and, and vandalism and all the things that often happen to kids that come from backgrounds like that. I always carried the wisdom that I learned in those weekly meetings and then the wisdom that the monks passed on to me. And I was so amazed when I was 15 being around the monks and, you know, we had a large class, maybe I'm guessing 150 kids from all over the place that had come to the summer camp. And a lot of them were absolutely wild. I mean, wild to the point that even a wild kid like me thought, wow, these are out of control <laughs> kids. But the monks were amazingly skilled at connecting to them, maintaining um, a sense of stability and basically handling the storms that would really just throw most people right off their game and most adults into violent reactions. And I just had this sense that this is what was possible for me as a human being. So Yogananda's teachings are very holistic and he's very into exercise and nutrition and all the things that are essential to living well. And I really, never lost touch with those seeds that were planted in me by the monks and by the uh, teachings of the Self-Realization Fellowship. And whenever I ran into challenges and, you know, life circumstances, I was a father when I was just turned 18, so I had a lot of stress. My parents didn't have any money. My wife's parents had no money. So I had to go off into the world and make it happen all by myself. And fortunately, I was raised on a farm. My father owns a large 140-acre sheep farm where we would we raise sheep and we had a woolen factory where we sell the wool to the local Indians for arts and crafts and sweaters for the tourist trade. We raised all sorts of produce, strawberries, rhubarb, vegetables to sell. So I was very grounded in the principles and practices of farming. We sold firewood to make money. Uh, both my parents seemed to struggle with money a lot. So the whole family had to participate, and there was times where money was low enough that we totally lived for long periods off the deer and the elk and the animals that were um, passing through our, our farm on Vancouver Island, which is quite wild territory even today. And um, I just learned that you have to understand the soil, you have to take care of animals, or, you, or they get sick and die and you lose all your money and go hungry. And so I think that being grounded in reality so deeply and realizing, you know, if you don't water animals or plants, you got problems. If you don't feed the animals well, you got problems. If you don't fertilize soil properly, then your plants become susceptible to parasite infections. They get weak, they die, and you don't have anything to eat. So as I moved out into the world and saw how, for example, when I became the trainer of the Army Boxing, when I joined the Army Boxing team, I was absolutely shocked at the way these athletes, many of which were the best boxers in the world, and in fact, 
half the fighters on my boxing team made it all the way to the 1988 Olympic boxing team, which is unbelievable. And um, when I saw how completely out of balance and antiquated and things even that the coaches were doing, like fighters skipping rope with full sweatsuits and plastic bags on, dehydrating themselves, taking these things they called uh, the, the slang is piss pills, which which are their pills that speed the kidneys up. So they would they're diuretics. So these guys would be completely dehydrated. They'd be starving themselves right before fights, all because they just had such poor diet and lifestyle management strategies and they had no discipline to to do it over a period of time. And my walking around weight when I was a fighter was 164 pounds and I fought at 147 pounds and I was only 7% body fat. So I had to have a pretty conscious strategy of eating so I could do all that exercise, not break down and, and not, you know, just be so depleted. And the coaches were amazed at how I did it. And, you know, I would be eating raw food and yogurt and, uh, you know, steamed chicken. And, and I never starved myself or did any of these silly things. And it naturally showed up in my performance. So, you know, what I'm sharing is that from an early age, I learned how you have to manage life itself in order for it to be prosperous. And the kind of the 82nd Airborne Division, the boxing, the kickboxing, and even the motocross racing, I was also a stock car racer and a drag racer. All those were outlets for all the kind of stress, frustration, pain, anger, and emotion. And they were the only events that gave me enough challenge to divert my consciousness into a focus where I could achieve some level of success and feel um, proud of my own accomplishments instead of just you know, forever working on a farm and being kind of a slave to a stepfather. Well, and I want to, if I can interrupt you for a second, because this, to hear that background, Paul, is, is very enlightening to, to, to see, to, to kind of, to, to look at what you're doing now to, to what you teach. And the fact that you lived on a farm and you had to work the land and you had to re- be responsible for your food. And then, yeah, you're right. When you got to the military, I'm sure some of their dietary and, and some of their nutrition habits, their nutrition habits and their training habits were completely opposite antithetical of what they should be doing. So just, just to get on this real quick for, for listeners, what do you think is wrong? Like with how we market fitness right now and the way the modern fitness industry is, what do you think is, what do you think? And this is a huge question with your background. What do you think is wrong with it? And what can, what should we be doing in terms of an overall fitness program? Well, you know, the, the fitness industry has changed radically. Um, you know, when I began my athletic career, calisthenics was a major part of it, mastering your body weight and free weight training. And all the uh, machines and gyms at that time were the initial fixed axis and universal type machines and Nautilus machines. And one of the things I noticed right away as a young man is that I was very, very strong on these machines but there were guys that were like taking Olympic weightlifting training and stuff like that could, that could easily outlift me with a free weight. And so immediately I realized that no matter how strong you were on those machines, it did not convert to improved athletic performance or the functional ability to actually lift a free weight. 
And even though I was very strong from lifting hay bales, compared to some of my friends that were taking Olympic lifting training for various reasons, whether it be sport or their interest, I learned that functional integration and technique is absolutely critical. So when I began lecturing, um, you know, through my work with very, very screwed up people and a lot of pain and a lot of orthopedic disorders and uh, muscle imbalance syndromes and degenerative changes and disc injuries and neurological impingements, I had to really study the science of how the body works at every level. And when I looked around and saw what physical therapists and chiropractors and osteopaths and personal trainers were doing, 99% of the time it was making people worse. And when I told them that, they argued with me and told me I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So that led me to a deep study of goniometry, which is the science of measuring the body and I did comprehensive studies and training in orthopedic and neurological testing so I could understand what was actually going on with key control systems in the body. And I developed a very comprehensive system of measuring my clients before, during, and after all the programs that I designed. And I could quickly identify exactly what the effects of any given exercise were from assessment to assessment. And I'm actually probably the only person in the world that's ever done that and I produced a database of results, tracking all these clients objectively. And it got to the point where anytime any doctor or therapist started to argue with me on stuff like that, I could actually pull out the data and prove it to them. And I even went as far as to invent and patent calipers specifically to measure key things that there was no instrumentation to measure, such as forward head carriage, first rib angle, pelvic tilt, and other things that are all critical indicators of structural balance or imbalance. And so it got to the point where in the late 80s, the head physical therapist that I worked with who had a master's degree in physical therapy and was very skilled was so mind boggled by what I was teaching them and showing them, she encouraged me to start giving lectures to physical therapy clinics around the United States. And that opened the door and it caused quite a, a revolution because I used their own textbooks and their own science to show them that what they were doing was wrong. It just didn't work. And then I lectured at the National Strength and Conditioning Association conference a couple of times. And that not only started a huge awakening because I was showing them the importance of functional exercise and the actual neuromuscular correlations and how the body responded at a very deep scientific level that was undeniable because it was backed by their own science. And unfortunately, what happened was, is after I would lecture, the vendors would not sell anything because they were all machine vendors and all the kind of stuff <laughs> they did. And it got to the point where Hammer Strength, which is the key sponsor, approached the NSCA and told them, that if Paul Check lectures here, we will no longer sponsor your conference. So I got blackballed from that conference, which I got news of from an insider in, in the board who actually really loved my teachings, but wanted me to know why I was getting rejected with all my applications. And, and I've had this happen multiple times now throughout the world. And that leads to the answer to your question. The answer to your question is very simple. The entire exercise industry is no different than the medical or the drug industry. It has nothing to do with what's actually best for people. It's product driven. 
if you go to any conference, you will see that almost every session being given is connected to some kind of a product or some kind of a pill or some kind of protein powder. <clears throat> so it's really just gimmick sales. And the level of knowledge required to be an exercise professional is ridiculously low. I mean, you can still get a personal trainer's license by taking online courses with multiple choice tests. And it takes seven years for a person to go through the training that I've developed to be a full-fledged level four check professional with personal professional spiritual success mastery training. And so they understand the body, the mind, the emotions, and the spiritual elements of life itself and how that you can manipulate any of those factors through exercise itself if you understand how the body energetics work and how the psyche works. So well, the exercise industry is really just a, a another product sales industry. It's It has very little to do with exercise, and the level of education is so low that they fall for it hook, line, and sinker. Well, and, and I, you know, I totally agree with you on that, Paul. And, and I got into, into you know, I've been an educator now for a number of years. I actually worked for one of the largest uh, certification organizations. Um, and my goal while I was there was really trying to, to change their approach a little bit. And, and, and I think uh, I helped do that a little bit with a couple of my colleagues. And we, we, we changed the, the model of, of program design that they had. And so when you look around now, because I totally agree with you. I mean, I do some of the conferences and a lot of them are it, it's basically an infomercial. You're basically going around. And it's like an infomercial roadshow. But what's your reaction to because when I first saw a CrossFit workout back in the early 2000s, maybe 2004, 2005, I was kind of like, this is cool, but all it is is high-intensity training. We're doing some barbell work. We're doing some yeah. body weight work, and it's not really – and honestly, is a lot of it because I had been influenced by you, you know, a few years earlier. What's your reaction now to this trend where we have movement-driven programming and we have – you know, CrossFit basically went back to the gyms of the 1890s. You walk into a good CrossFit gym now, and it looks like just like one of the original gyms from the 1880s or 1890s with medicine yeah. balls, dumbbells. I mean, is that a surprise to you? Is that something that kind of caught you off guard? Uh, well, not really. And you might want to, if you looked into the history of it, I was probably the first person on the lecture circuit lecturing on the science of functional exercise and really working to change the industry from the roots up. So, you know, uh, I was at a conference in London where I was actually presented as the father of functional exercise. So I've watched people go from very intensive training on machines and dysfunctional exercise to taking the same level of intensity, yet with the same dysfunctional bodies into functional exercise, which is kind of like going from being a kid driving a car uh, in a video game arcade and thinking that because you're scoring high points that you now can go jump into a real car and drive like that around town. So what you get is this sort of illusion of strength and function, yet now we have massive amounts of injuries. In fact, CrossFit has, I'm sure you know, has had lawsuits against them. There's all sorts of research papers coming out, and lo and behold, it is producing a lot of injuries. I don't really think that the problem is CrossFit itself. My philosophy is there's no such thing as a bad drug or exercise, only an incorrectly prescribed drug or exercise. So CrossFit really, if you think about it, is really like working on a farm, but just doing a lot of work very, very quickly. And if you, I used to laugh because I take a lot of my buddies in high school and they like to come out and visit the farm because they were city boys. 
and they would be dead shocked at how they couldn't lift hay bales. They couldn't keep up with me doing almost anything, carrying wheelbarrows of firewood. They were good looking, but functionally useless. And so now we have a massive number of people. For example, if you consider the research shows that about 72% of human beings, adults on this planet, have an undiagnosed disc bulge ready to go at any time. And those are the people that are doing CrossFit. You've got terrible posture. You've got massive problems with inflammation of the digestive system and organs. You've got high levels of adrenal fatigue. So really what you have is people that need to be in rehabilitation and learning basic diet and lifestyle principles to achieve just baseline health. But instead, you've now got mothers that have had three children, a cesarean section who have no core function, poor posture, no weightlifting experience of any type, now doing cleans, presses, jerks, pushing themselves into severe exhaustion. And I've got many pictures that I've collected of right out of CrossFit of people with the most obnoxious and terrible form. So the the real issue is that A, CrossFit's just an offering, but there's, again, there's not enough education in how to prepare a person to do that kind of exercise so it positively benefits their life. And so what you end up with is what a, what a, a bunch of fit, sick people, and they burn themselves out and they keep compensating with more powders, more pills, more coffee, uh, and then they get into things like ephedra and other stimulants, and you know it goes all the way up to steroid use. And so what you have is really a mirror of society's mental emotional state imprinted on their exercise environment. And we're in such a rushed, almost meaningless culture where everybody just works themselves to death to have a fancier car or a fancy watch or another gadget or the coolest clothes. And they really don't spend the time to connect to themselves, take care of themselves. There's very little um, time spent with introspection or the inner arts, which are definitely essential to really coming to know who you are and what life is all about. So it's kind of like the same emotions that I had to take out through aggressive sports like boxing and kickboxing and football are now being taken out in a gym through activities like kickboxing classes, martial arts classes, and functional exercise classes. But there's nobody really guiding people to understand how to use that mental emotional energy productively and so what you get is you get the same wound up people with all their emotional and mental traumas and all their programming from being taught what to think in school instead of learning how to think. And exercise is just now the one of the next addictions. And unfortunately, they're addicted to real exercise, but they're not ready for real exercise. So it leads to a lot of yo-yo syndromes where a person goes in they do some exercise, they lose some weight, they can see their abs, they get all excited, but the next thing you know, they've got a back injury, a neck injury, a shoulder injury, a blown ACL, and then they're going to a doctor, then they get fat, then they get depressed, now they're on drugs, now they're frustrated because therapy's not working, they often don't heal very well because their diets are so terrible and they're ser seriously lacking rest. And so it's really just a mirror of what I would call Western, the Western psyche and you can see it in any profession or in any 
region of the world and weightlifting is just another place to look at it. And I agree with you. Sorry to cut you off, but I agree with you hundred percent because it's never, I don't look at any form of exercise like CrossFit or yoga or Pilates or indoor cycling because it all works. My fear is when people get too committed to any one mode of exercise, you know, one or two indoor cycling classes a week, yeah, okay, not going to hurt you, one or two yoga classes. But if that's all you do and you're doing it for the purpose of aesthetics, I think you're putting it's, – it's, you're not putting the, the natural purpose first. Like when you look at exercise and you talked about this, you start off with this with, with your background in the spiritual fellowship. You know, when you look at it, when you read Aristotle and it's like you have a sound mind and a sound body and exercise just supports what your mind is doing. That's one of the reasons why I was really interested in speaking with you, Paul, because we had a conversation a number of years ago, you know, that we started, we were talking a little bit about your spiritual journey. You were telling me a little bit about your experience as a shaman. And, you know, you have always been, as I said earlier, you have been way ahead of the curve on the industry. And we're now, you know, I was, I taught stability ball exercise for years after going through your stability ball course. I mean, you Uh really helped me make a lot of money as a personal trainer. I mean, after going through some of your courses, I never fully invested in in the Czech practitioner, but I really, you know, so I owe you a a debt of gratitude, but I really learned a lot from you. And it was really, I was able to pass that on to the people I worked with. And so I've seen, as I've seen us move towards the CrossFit model and the open gym concept, where we're doing a lot more movement, I really think the next the next kind of wave, if you will, that we're going to see it probably another three to five years. I still think we're ahead of the curve is is getting in touch because we've done high intensity training. I knew that was going to be the trend in the mid 2000s. And sure enough, CrossFit and kettlebell training exploded, you know, and, and now now we're talking about recovering overtraining. And I really think that the next phase, if people want to be if people are are looking out there, if listeners out there are trying to think about what the next trend is going to be or where they're missing their fitness program. I think it's meditation and spirituality. And, and I really think that, you know, we've been so focused, as you said, on extrinsic. We've been so focused on what we look like, the car, all this nonsense, all this BS that we forget about. We're all part of the same universe. We're all part of the same energy system. So yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, how does that, how does your, how do you think that fits in? How do you think, that, and I know that some people are going to listen to this, Paul, and I know they're going to be like, ah, what, what, this is nonsense. They're going to tune out. But I really would ask you just to listen a little bit because we're so focused on all these external drivers that we're forgetting what's within us. So how's your spirit like, you know, what has your spiritual journey been and how has that really kind of helped you in terms of your overall approach to health and just lifestyle wellness, for lack of a better term? Well, I think for me and for a lot of people, because I've rehabbed thousands of people and I've coached many world champions and world record holders and Guinness book of world record holders and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I've had my finger on the pulse at every level from the sick, broken down housewife, uh, to the rich man's wife who's depressed because she doesn't get enough time and support. And she has all the purses and watches and fancy clothes she could ever wear to the greatest athletes in the world. And every one of them has learned tremendous meaningful lessons from the injuries because the injury brought them to a therapist like me or a check trained professional who could help evaluate them properly and put things into perspective and explain to them the direct connection between the health of your glands, your organs, your mental emotional state and your musculoskeletal system and 
you know, I teach people how to read the energetics of the body. So by the time somebody's an HLC2 practitioner, holistic lifestyle coach level two, and even a check level two, they can be watching you walk down the street while sitting in a coffee shop and write a report on you that's probably got details in it your mother doesn't even know because they're involved not only in the science but in the practice if they're doing what I teach them. So they have to take themselves through the transformation. What I've learned the most from in my life is my injuries, and I've had a lot of injuries. I have had six major concussions racing motocross. I had four broken noses and a broken rib in boxing and martial arts. I broke my left wrist doing uh, bicycle stunts. I broke my left leg in five places cliff diving, and, and I had a guy fall on my head during a stunt lifting demonstration, and it uh, blew out my C5-6 and C6-7 disc and tore all the ligaments in my spine and uh, on one side and left me with a, a serious spinal instability. And I ended up having the whole left side of my body go numb and losing about 26 pounds of muscle in six weeks. And I couldn't even carry a briefcase. And I've had to rehabilitate myself and look deeply into what it was that I was that was driving me to push myself to such extremes that my system basically collapsed under the stress of it all? Or why did I have to do things to impress other people that put my own health at risk? And because there were so few skilled people around, I, I usually knew more than the so-called local experts. So I had to use myself as my number one patient and look deeply into myself so I could honestly identify what it was that I was doing and why I was doing it so that I could consciously modify my approach to diet, lifestyle, and exercise to create a sustainable living practice that allowed me to stay fit, healthy, um, and not age unnecessarily. And I'm, I'm almost 56 years old, and I can still run and lift as well as I did in high school. And a lot of professional athletes are very shocked when they train with me because I can still do single arm chin-ups and heavy lifts that they can't even begin to do. So it's really quite mind-boggling for them. But the, the key point I'm getting to is that every time we injure ourselves or we have an illness, it's an important realization that if we didn't realize that we were creating that by our own choices and participation, it means we're doing it unconsciously. So what I call the pain teacher comes to guide you, to wake you up, to help you evolve. And each time we heal one of our own injuries, if we're paying attention, we usually look around and go, oh my God, everybody around me has got this problem. For example, when I identified that I was gluten intolerant, dairy intolerant, and had a genetic allergy to beef, which I'd been eating all my life on the farm and had headaches every day till I was 36 and figured all this out, I realized that every, almost every single person I'd ever worked on had these problems. So I immediately began testing everybody and found out there was rarely ever a person who did not have some kind of unidentified food intolerance or food allergy. And then I studied fungal and parasite infections because I, for to make a long story short, began to identify that a lot of the people that had these weird symptoms, like things crawling under their skin and strange things coming out in their bowel movements, 
And all of a sudden, I started looking into that, and I found that the symptoms were rampant. And then I found research showing that about 90% of the world population has an active parasite infection, and 90% have an active fungal infection. So then I started healing those in my own body and was shocked to see what was inside of me when I started using the right approaches. And then I found that there was just mountains of people that had chronic low back pain, chronic inflammation, chronic uh, things like couldn't sleep at night, adrenal fatigue that wouldn't heal, grinding their teeth at night due to excessive stress and causing all sorts of temporomandibular joint and dental problems. And when I cleared those parasites out, which required a complete conscious awareness of diet and lifestyle because parasites are a symptom of dysfunctional diet and lifestyle, I began to see even better improvements. And so over the years, I basically found that my, you could say spirit was guiding me and letting me take responsibility for all the problems I was creating in my own life and put me in a position where I had more knowledge than most people that I could pay to help so I had to use myself as my own clinical subject. And every time I found out how to address one of these issues, I developed knowledge and skills that turned out to be needed by countless people, which is how my courses all got developed. So really my journey has been one of self-realization through you could say largely exercise and then the relationships with thousands of people because when you're a therapist to someone, you have to have a real relationship with them. It's just like any other relationship and there's people that don't behave well. There's people that blame you for things. There's people that don't participate and keep complaining. There's people that come to you and nod their head and then go out the door and do exactly what you just told them not to do because it was causing their problems. So that led me into a deeper study of understanding relationships and human behavior and the science of behavioral change and how to coach people more effectively, which after 32 years ultimately led to the development of my newest and most comprehensive program, which is Check Four Quadrant Coaching Mastery, where I go very deeply into, into what the human psyche is, how it functions, what are archetypes, what is the soul, how does the mind work, how does it interface with the body, so I ultimately reached a stage in my own development where I understood how the body-mind works from a top down, or shall we say mind and spirit down into body, and how the earth and the body influence everything from the bottom up. So how is your thinking and your belief system and your choices or behaviors influenced by the health of your body and the environment and things like the nutrition in the food, which leads right back to the quality of the soil? And so essentially, I've come to a point in my life where I truly feel that I live and teach holistic health because I've spent 32 intensive years studying and practicing and paying attention. And now I'm probably have more empathy and compassion for people than I ever had, where when I was younger, I used to think people just were silly or doing stupid things because they were, that was just their nature. But now I realize people are, you know, they're highly influenced by marketing influences. They're highly influenced by religious influence and they're highly influenced by people that are famous, but often are faking it. You know, you look at all these athletes, for example, who are <laughs> out there selling all sorts of stuff, but behind the scenes, they're doing all sorts of drugs and doing all sorts of things that are really, uh, 
misrepresentative of the product. You get some professional athlete telling you to eat this protein powder, it's gonna make you look like this, but what you don't realize is they're on all sorts of drugs, they're burning themselves out, and they're fit, sick people, and they're selling illusions, and they're trapped in illusions. And so, you know, I, I want to give you time to talk, but I hope that answered your question. Well, it, it does. And, yep. and and one of the things, you know, I, I realized, you know, after one of your lectures and you were talking, it was a lecture where you, you went through your four, I think it was your four doctors model. <clears throat> and I'll ask yes. you about that in a second. But I realized, you know, I was studying, I believe, for the CSCS and that's a certified strength and conditioning specialist. And I was reading yeah. about, um, you know, high density uh, lipoprotein being a component of testosterone. And, and Paul, yeah. that's when it occurred to me you know, that we are set up to fail because when you look at what, you know, HDL is a component of testosterone and what company out there sells a large, sells Lipitor, the largest um, anti-cholesterol medication on the market. Are you asking me what company it is? Yeah. Which company sells Lipitor? I mean, there's a company that sells Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. I can't remember which yeah, company is either be Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline or it's, Merck. It's Pfizer. So Pfizer will sell yeah. you Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. And what's that yeah. little blue pill they sell you so you can make your wife happy on Saturday night? Yeah, Viagra. Yeah, so they, they understand. So we, we are conditioned to listen to these these companies. And, and you know, years ago you mentioned that how, you know, the directors of, of these boards sit on one another. And that, that kind of woke me up to realize that, that we are fighting a battle against the industrial food giants, against large pharmacy companies that really yeah. don't really care about our health. They just see us as a vessel to make money, you know. And yes. so what is your four, you know, your four doctors model, I think, breaks it down to a very, you know, we talked about the holistic approach. And, and, and some people, this doesn't resonate. For, but for people, if you've been constantly injured, if you're constantly going from one injury to the next or one illness to the next, I really just, I urge you to pick up how to eat, move, and, and was it how to eat, move, and live healthy? How to eat, move, and be healthy? How to eat, move, and be healthy because I read that a number of years ago, and that had a significant influence on just at least my overall outlook. But what are your four, what is your four doctors model, Paul, and, and, and why, does that, why is that so important? Well, first of all, I'll say that I have an ebook called The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need, How to Get Healthy Now, which is a multimedia ebook that has video clips and it shows you how to assess your breathing pattern, how to do work in exercises for cultivating life force, shows you how to identify what your dream is, how to establish core values that are dream affirmative so you know when to say yes and when to say no. And it's a quite simple book that I wrote for the general public. So people that want to you know, restructure and, and bring themselves into awareness of these essential principles could get that ebook, The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need, How to Get Healthy Now, which is available at uh, www.chekinstitute.com. So basically, I was in deep meditation. Um, around 2000 to 2005, I kind of had to deal with a, an educator's paradox, and that is that mostly highly intelligent people take my training because, you know, it's real training. It's not fluffy stuff. It's not memorization. You're taught a system for gathering essential data, and you're taught how to channel that data into meaningful choices with diet, exercise, lifestyle, and even behavioral concepts and, and issues that people need to reflect on. And my system requires that the practitioners do it in their own lives or I won't let them move forward to their next level of training. And what I found out, which was very painful for me, 
is as I was traveling around the world, visiting all my students and going into their offices and their gyms and watching them work with people, is that very few of them were actually using what I taught them nearly to its potential. And when I started interviewing them saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why are you still doing that? I taught you that this would cause this problem, but you're still doing it. One of the things that I found was that they felt insecure because what they were doing was so different. And even though they got great results, they often found themselves in constant battles with gym owners, clinic owners, other trainers and other therapists who just downright didn't agree with them, even though they had the records to prove it, just like I taught them to do by assessing and monitoring the numbers, but they couldn't deal with the social pressure of being that different. So they fell back into fitting in like a sheep. The other thing I found is that they didn't have enough support after taking the workshops because, you know, you come for blocks of five to nine days, depending on which course it is. And I give you a lot of intensive training. Then you got to go practice it and, and then turn in case histories to get to the next level. But they didn't have the um, support and the mental horsepower to integrate that much information so I realized my system is too complex. I've got to simplify it conceptually and create a philosophical framework that makes it easier for them to understand what to identify as important and where to start. So I went into meditation on this for quite a while. And interestingly enough, one day, I, you know, I have a pretty comprehensive library. I got thousands of books. I probably got a million dollars worth of books, audios, DVDs uh, of every type of information you can find on all the subjects we've been talking about here and have studied intensively my whole life. So uh, I just happened to be looking through my closet because I was ready for I, I always study when I train. I listen to things on a, either a, back then I was listening to cassette tapes on a Walkman or I was playing them CDs in a boombox in the gym and taking notes on my rest periods. And I was looking for something to listen to. And I found an old like 1988 program on herbology. And in the program, they gave a little history on herbology. And there was like one line in there. They said, Hippocrates, the Greek physician, who is considered the father of medicine, identified that all the problems that he saw in his patients came from one of three challenges, a lack of sleep, not having a sense of direction or, or a, a goal of worthy, um, worthy of pursuing, or diet problems. And he called those the three doctors. And immediately I said, aha, but he's missing doctor movement. And that philosophy today would not work because 2,300 years ago, people did not have a sedentary lifestyle. To even wash your clothes would have been as hard as many workouts people do today. Uh, you know, imagine washing your clothes by hand for a family of five on a washboard <laughs> with a bucket of soap and water. So that was all it took to trigger an avalanche because I had enough knowledge to identify and have deep knowledge in the heading of happiness. So that's doctor happiness. I had adequate knowledge in diet and nutrition and even basic herbology. So I understand doctor diet. I understood the soil all the way to the pharmacology of food and medicine. 
I understood the science of rest. I'd studied it intensively and actually had to heal myself from a circadian stress disorder from traveling on jets so much. And then I was had adequate mastery of movement. <clears throat> so I immediately add the fourth doctor <clears throat> and then I built out a structure and I, in meditation, my soul, which is you know the consciousness within, guided me because I kept asking, how can I make this palatable to the public and even for my students? So I, my soul one day told me, get your notebook and let's go for a walk. So I was hiking out in the hills by my house and then I would be getting these downloads. And my soul said to me, what's the first and most important thing you need to get somebody to make a change in their life? And I said, well, they have to have a dream bigger than their nightmare. They have to have something worth living and growing for. So my soul said, write down the number one equals dream. What's the next most important thing you have to do to help somebody? I said, well, I have to assess them to find out where they're out of balance. My soul said, write down the number two. Two equals Tai Chi, the balance of the male and the female force from which everything in the universe is created. Then my soul says, what do you have to do as a person to implement those changes? And I, I said, well, you have to make choices. So my soul said, very good, write down number three. And my soul said, there's only three choices you can make in relationship to any person, place, or thing. The optimal, which is the one that's best for everybody involved to support you in your dream. The suboptimal, which is the one that usually gives you instant gratification but causes problems in your dream team relationships, such as family, friends, and supporters. Or the worst choice, which is just do nothing or be apathetic. The other application of number three is do nothing means don't make a choice until you have gathered adequate information to make an intelligent choice. And then number four is four doctors. So you have to identify a dream bigger, bigger than your problems and something worth changing for. You got to identify where you're out of balance. You have to identify where your imbalance is at with regard to your dreaming ability or your creative ability, your management of your sleep and rest, your management of your diet to meet your specific individual needs and your use of exercise so that's therapeutic and productive to get you to your dream. So that began the one, two, three, four approach that I developed and have been using ever since. That was probably 2005 that, that I put that into play. And it's actually revolutionized my whole system because now even at the beginning levels of Check Exercise Coach and HLC1, I teach people how to understand those four doctors. And then as the training goes, they just get deeper and deeper into the assessment of and the integration of those principles and practices in their body, and then deeper and deeper into how to use them diagnostically to help figure out what's wrong with a person and design a very, very specific diet and lifestyle program from the four doctor perspective that addresses each of those four doctors but very importantly, each of those four doctor categories is a category of core values. You have to identify what your dream is and how you want to live in order to experience the dream. You have to be clear on how much rest you need to be at your best to grow, to heal, and to perform. You've got to be clear on what you need to feed your body. It's unique individual needs. You cannot use diet books. We've got over 5,000 of them. They've never worked and they're never going to work. And so if you look at those four doctors, they become sets of values. And as I often say to my students, your yes has no value until you learn to say no.
So I teach people that by being clear on what your dream is and knowing how you should eat, when you should rest, and how much and what type of movement, if somebody offers you a gluten-containing cookie and you know it causes inflammation in your body, it's your core value to avoid gluten-containing foods or poor quality foods. You simply know when to say no because it does not serve your dream goal or objective. So that allowed me to encapsulate the essentials of a living philosophy and having studied every religion out there of any significance and many philosophies and everything you can imagine, I identified that if you don't have the four spokes of those four doctors in the wheel, which I call the wheel of life, you have a three spoke or a two spoke or a one spoke wheel. And if you take one spoke out of a four spoke wheel, it'll collapse, it will not roll, you'll get something that looks more like a triangle than a wheel. And almost every religion and every philosophy in the world has less than four spokes, which leads to a lot of problems. Do your hamstrings really flex the knee? Are crunches the best way to strengthen your core? Which exercises really help you to target your glutes and thighs? Now, here's the thing. If you know your anatomy, if you know how your muscles are actually designed to function, then you can identify the best exercises that can help you reach your goals. The fact is our body was designed to move. All muscles work together. Anytime you're moving, multiple muscles are working together to produce that movement. The only time a muscle works in isolation is in a machine designed for muscle isolation. If you really want to learn more about your body, if you want to learn more about how your muscles function, if you really want to learn the best exercises to help you reach your goals with the lowest risk of injury, then join me for a webinar, Dynamic Anatomy. I'm hosting the webinar live on Friday, May 8th. If you're hearing this after May 8th, you can pick up a recording of the webinar. But for less than $23, use code AAFWebinar in the link in the show notes, and you'll get both a webinar and an ebook of Dynamic Anatomy that will help you learn how your body's designed to function. Here's the thing. Training movement patterns, you'll feel better. You'll move better. And you got to remember, form follows function. So if you teach your body how to move better with movement-based exercises based on how your anatomy actually functions, you will be surprised at the results you'll get from your workouts. That's Dynamic Anatomy, the webinar and ebook, one package, less than $23. You can join me live on Friday, May 8th. If you're hearing this after May 8th, you can pick up a copy of the recorded webinar along with the ebook, Dynamic Anatomy. The more you learn, the more you know about how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. I look forward to having you join me. Thank you. Well, and, and that's such a powerful message, Paul, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you as a guest on this podcast because I think we get so caught up in all these external entrapments of, of living. And, and my fear, you know, my personal philosophy towards fitness that I try to get across through this podcast and through other things I do is that fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And, and you've been a large part of that influence of just that, of that simple message. And that's been, you know, from, from what I've read and from what I've learned from you over the years, I've really tried to apply that with myself and with my clients. And I can tell, I can tell you just for feedback, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, it makes a huge difference. And then when you get away from some of these principles, when, you, when your life does get out of balance, it does, does fall apart uh, pretty quickly. Now, we're getting ready to wrap up. I want to be sensitive with your time. One of the things I want to ask is, is kind of what's your, you know, because you are such a, 
you know, an expert at movement and exercise, like what's your favorite go-to workout? Like when you have time to work out and, and you just want to get your sweat on, what's like your favorite go-to just feel good, you know, movement based workout program. I go out and lift stones and make stone sculptures. Is that, I mean, just that simple, just getting out and, and playing in the yard or playing out in, uh, in the dirt. Yeah, I have a, you know, I've got eight acres here at my office and I have a, a bunch of stones I've gone out into the brush and collected. Some of them weigh as much as 300 pounds. And I build sculptures, sometimes 16 feet tall, where I have to climb up and stand on stones and stack stones to make stair steps. Um, I build patterns on the ground. Um, and I don't have a favorite workout. I don't use exercise that way. I just ask my soul what would be the best a form of exercise to balance us and nourish us. And I listen to my inner voice and shut my ego off. And I found a long time ago that when I listen to my inner voice and let my higher self guide me, then I get a lot more out of it. I don't get injured. I feel better. Whenever my ego gets involved and I start competing with people, I end up hurting myself in some way. And that's how spirit grounds you in the reality that no matter how big your ego is, the consciousness of the universe is an infinite ocean and the most an ego could ever be is a thimble. So if you want to really be guided in your exercise, then you have to grow yourself to trust the inner voice that's in all of us that we know as our conscience or the, our, the truth voice within us. And when you practice enough to learn to listen to your body, for example, if you think you want to go in the gym and do uh, power cleans, but as you're warming up, you notice the bar feels heavy and your body's a little achy. Well, you're a fool if you force yourself to do that. You simply find an exercise that feels good, nourishes you, and in some way contributes to your goal or objective. And so I use a gym like uh, Hippocrates used 40 herbs. And I go in there and check in with my body, my mind, and my emotions and say, what can I do today that will leave me feeling more balanced, more whole, and more capable of living my dreams and helping people live theirs? So I don't have any fixation on any exercise. I'd say probably if there's what I call the king of exercises that I probably spend more time doing than most exercise would be various forms of deadlifting because in just a few minutes, you can get more exercise with deadlifting than you can with almost anything else. <laughs> No, that's and, and I think also too, just from 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 speaking with you and, and and speaking with a number of experts through this podcast, one of the one of the common themes, and we'll wrap up with this, is, is meditation. You know, I'm surprised by you know when I speak with you know people that were in the Navy SEALs, when I speak with guys that are you know considered top level strength coaches, the one consistent theme comes back, Paul, is, is meditation, and that's an area where I've been really trying to work, and I've found personally that taking the time to at least try to meditate does allow you to get in touch with that inner conscious. What role do you think meditation plays in like a healthy lifestyle? And what's one thing that somebody could do today to kind of start incorporating some meditation into their life? Well, there's two answers to that. Meditation is actually, first of all, meditation is a large word. It's like saying exercise. There's as many ways to meditate as there are exercise methods. But meditation is actually a methodology by which you no longer identify yourself with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but you learn to witness them from a position of equanimity or detachment. 
And you often find that a lot of your judgments, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs actually just aren't true and are causing you a lot of problems. And so what it does is it teaches you to witness your own inner process from the outside instead of being trapped in it unconsciously. And then it gives you an opportunity to digest your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And in my system, you can ask yourself which of my thoughts, feelings, and emotions is actually dream affirmative and which of them are just program behaviors from society, parental stress, et cetera. And it, so there begins the inner journey of introspection and therefore self-realization. Until you reach that point, you're kind of like a programmed robot that's just acting out the dictates of religion, corporations, schools, and society, which all of which aren't doing very, very well. And we've reached the point where our consciousness has gotten so low, we actually voted in a very bad act <laughs> as president, you know. So you can see that the consciousness of the culture is being mirrored back to us in grand measure by its choices. But meditation, for example, you would sit down and ask yourself, for example, of the presidential candidates, which one of them is the safest and the best for the interests of all? And you might all of a sudden have certain feelings about this one or that one, or you might be like me and come to the realization that actually none of them are presidential candidates. And the best thing I can do isn't to vote because I don't want to support the, the, the darkness on either side. So what I'll do is I'll help the world to the best of my ability each day by being the change and supporting Mother Earth and supporting organic farming and supporting spiritual growth and supporting humanity. Because if we heal people one human being at a time, that's like healing cancer by removing one cancer cell at a time. So if you take a cancer cell and you heal it, then it becomes a living cell in a community, but a cancer cell doesn't see itself as part of a community. So really for me, the science and practice of meditation is about becoming conscious of and honest with yourself, knowing what's going on inside of you, but not getting trapped in your thoughts and feelings and emotions so that you're reactive. Meditation allows you to be responsive. So instead of ready, aim, uh, ready, fire, aim, living, meditation says, wait a minute, before I pull the trigger on this, is it going to produce the results I really want? So it's, it's the practice of witnessing with detachment. Um, the, I forgot what your second question was. Well, that was it, how it, it was. It was related to, and I think too, it ties into, and you kind of touch touch the base on it. I think because I think we get so disconnected from one another, whether it's because of our different political beliefs or because of different values that we've been conditioned to believe. And I really, yeah. personally, I believe meditation allows us kind of the, the chance to check in. And 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 for me personally, you know, meditation has been hard. And, and I find, though, but when I think, you know, the benefit of living in Encinitas and living in Southern California, I found that for me and others might want to try this. I, I try to think about the earth around me, that I'm part of this energy system between the mountains and the ocean. You know, where yeah. I live, I'm, I'm a couple miles, you know, the mountains are a couple miles to the east. The ocean's a couple miles to my west. And I try to draw the energy from both sources to balance out the yin and the yang in me. And, and yeah. as, as a recover, I call myself a recovering meathead because I used to be that guy in the gym that's all Ugh, go, go, go. And I've learned yeah. how to do that. And it really has been, it's such a soothing thought, Paul, to know that, that 
I'm not responsible, then I'm just part of I'm just part of the system. I'm part of nature. And that when I'm gone, the ocean's still there. The, the mountains are still there. And and that really what I do today, all I can do is, is what you said is, can I have a positive effect on those around me? And that's what I really try yeah. to bring it home to. So with that, let's wrap it up. And, and do you have a way that people can follow you or a way that people can get a hold of you? You mentioned your ebook. I'm going to put a link to that. Anything else that, that, that if people really like this message, that if they want to kind of learn a little bit more about what you're doing, is there a way they can connect with you? Yeah, there's one comment I'd like to make real quick on the meditation thing. Certainly, you know, I've yeah. studied Carl Jung's work in great depth and practiced it and do practice it as part of my life and it's part of my therapeutic approach. And one of the things that Jung made very clear is that consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. And that what we're calling meditation, he, ho- he called holding the tension of the opposites. So we always have positive things that are going on in our life, but we always have challenging things at various stages or at most times in our life if you look at a person's life in context because the positives and the negatives have to exist or consciousness cannot be aware of anything. If something's not moving, there's nothing for consciousness to perceive. So Jung talked about the importance of holding the tension of the opposites. How that relates to meditation is because in Instead of just responding with knee-jerk reactions or, you know, cursing at people because you don't like them or judging people because you don't like them or judging yourself because you don't like your own choices and the things that you're doing, in meditation, you simply allow the positives and the negatives to exist in relationship to the other, which creates a field of tension. And that's where consciousness rises. So for beginning meditators, what I would say is simply allow your thoughts, feelings, and emotions to rise in you, witness them, but don't try to abolish either of them. Don't say, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Just feel what happens when those two realities, the positive and the negatives, are juxtaposed against each other, and you'll feel that there's a tension there, and that tension is really what creates consciousness and life itself. So meditation, if used at a very basic level, can be nothing other than just simply witnessing the polarities in your life and knowing that you don't have to rush to make decisions because usually you make things worse when you do. And it brings your awareness to where you need more attention in your life. For example, if you're someone who's kicking themselves as hard as possible in the gym and you can't seem to get more muscle on or get body fat off, you would simply identify that and say, something's wrong because I'm not getting the results I want with my exercise program, so let me look at what's going on. Let me look at what it is that's driving me to exercise or what it is that keeps making me exercise but not paying attention to what other factors in my life, such as sleeping or eating, uh, that may be really as relevant or even more relevant than exercise itself. And if a person just holds the intention to solve the problem or answer the question, it will inevitably rise up in you intuitively or the universe will bring it to you directly. Like somebody will walk up to you in the gym and start talking to you and say, oh, you know, I used to train just like you and I had the same problems, but I found out I wasn't getting enough rest and my adrenals were burnt out. Have you tried getting to bed earlier and sleeping eight hours. Oh no, I never thought of that. And the next thing you know, they're healed from that one simple thing. So that's what it means to hold the balance of the tension of the opposites. And that's my kind of simple comment on what meditation really is. Um, you can get a hold of, you can 
you can get my main products and services and education courses and online courses, which we now offer quite a number of, and live um, uh, web-based education so people all over the world can study the training without having to travel at www.chekinstitute.com. And today I'd like to offer all your listeners a 20% discount on their first purchase through the Institute on whatever it is that they would like to buy. And all they have to do is use the promotional code all about fitness. So you just say, I listened to the podcast with all about fitness. I heard Paul check and he offered us 20% off on our first purchase. So all about fitness is the code. My personal blog, if people want to follow my personal blog, it's www.paulchekes blog.com paulchecksblog.com and my youtube channel where i have over 500 videos for the public is youtube.com forward slash paul c-h-e-k live and that's it and there's a huge library of stuff I've been putting out for years and all the kinds of things you and I have been talking about here. Well, Paul, I really, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the work that you've done and for the, the positive energy that you bring to the world. And, you know, really, I appreciate that and you appreciate the opportunity to share your message with listeners out there. So thanks for your time today. Well, thank you. And thanks for sharing people like me and your own story and your own love. Um, you know, as as the bee, the bee uh, you know, I'm a shaman, so I use power animals. And my second chakra, uh, my first chakra power animals, the bee family. And one day I was trying to solve a problem, and, and the bee spirit showed up in my inner consciousness and said, Paul, you can't make honey alone. <laughs> and so here we are making honey together. So thank you very much for your support, Pete. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And in all honesty, I forgot we had that little exchange um, about, you know, we were talking about the candidates, right? That's how we knew we recorded in 2016. Man, um, I would I'd be interested to have a conversation with Paul about the current political situation just from his point of view. And that was really, we had a, we met at a, uh, God, where were we? It was 2008. We were at this uh, event in Colorado in 2008, and we bumped into each other. We were grabbing uh Reach grabbing something to eat. And you know, Paul doesn't know me that well, but I've taken a number of his workshops over the years. And we were talking a little bit about just everything, current events. And it, it blew me away because in 2008, Paul was really starting to talk about metaphysical, the spiritual being. You know, he was really kind of going down this path. And we were talking about shamans. We were talking about spirit journeys. We were talking about DMT and ayahuasca. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to replay this interview is you know, I'd kind of gotten into the subjects a little bit with Dorian Yates. And it really, I think that's one thing we, that we miss in fitness. You know, I'm not going to advocate for any type of spirituality. I'm not going to advocate for any type of religion. I really, I think that's a very, you know, individual choice. However, I do think that if you want to be truly fit, I, I do believe that if you want to be truly fit, we have to start from the inside out and really be comfortable with the being, with the vessel that you're in. Not just worry about what it looks like. Not just worry about getting the striations or getting the cuts. You know, I don't care. You know, personally, I don't care about that. The funny thing is, I really, once I stopped really giving a crap, I mean, yes, like everybody, I'm, I'm concerned with my appearance. Maybe not right now in COVID-19. I'm running on a six-week beard here. <laughs> I haven't shaved in about six weeks. Just, I don't know, I'm not doing any public-facing things. So, 
I'm not going to be running a razor over my face. But I, I really, and I, yeah, I, I do care about my appearance, but not from a pure extrinsic sake. I mean, I care about it professionally and just, you know, I want to, don't want to be a slob, but he sets the imagination. But for ex- exercise for me is really just about feeling strong, being healthy, feeling fit, you know, being able to do what you want to do. That's why I use that as a tagline for this podcast is fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. You know, think about that. You know, if you're fit, you have choices, right? You have choices for what you want to do. And if you want to learn specific ways, specific ways to get fitness, if you want to learn about metabolic conditioning, if you want to learn about mobility training, you want to learn about core strength, pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I go through those three modes of exercise, mobility, core strength, and metabolic conditioning, and provide you with 21 workouts that teach you how to do that. That's one of the things I love, I and mean, that's why I learned from Paul. Paul's an educator, and I really got to see how he educated, the research that he did, you know, how dialed in he was, and that really motivated me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I sat in Paul workshops. Yeah, it was really like, you know, I wanted to get to that point. And Paul's created a whole. You heard him talk about his whole education series, and and I didn't want to go there, but but I do want to go. I mean, I, that's why I have the book Smarter Workouts. I do have the workout programs are now available for sale. I have the Dynamic Anatomy webinar and ebook. If you want to learn a lot more, you know, let's face it. You know, we, you heard Paul talking about movement. If you want to learn how your body moves, there are exercises for the way your body moves. That's why I wrote Smarter Workouts. I, that's why I wrote Dynamic Anatomy. That's why you know I did the webinar. I'm doing the webinar Dynamic Anatomy. I want to teach you how your body is designed to move. I want to help you learn the best ways to exercise for the way your body is designed to function. And that's really what, what I learned from Paul, you know, and that's why I wanted to play this again, especially after the conversation I had with Dorian, is one of the things that really struck me is that for years, you know, Dorian, as a bodybuilder, was chasing the appearance. And you heard him talk about how beat up he was, how, you know, his injuries that he had. And a lot, if you talk to, to bodybuilders who were any, any competitive level, their later years were not that comfortable. There's a great... Um, there's a great documentary on Ronnie Coleman on Netflix, and poor Ronnie can barely, I mean, he was one of the most, most successful bodybuilders ever. I mean, he dominated the sport for a number of years, but the dude can barely move now. You know, is that really worth it? Is that really worth it to chase some sort of extrinsic appearance? Or do we want to just forget about what the mirror thinks, forget about what your eyes tell you, and focus on how you feel? Focus on the inside out. Focus on... Just training to be strong, training to be fit, training to have energy, training to feel better, right? And I can't tell you, you know, just from personal experience, you know, once I kind of turn that corner, man, my workouts are fun now. I don't dread, you know, the gyms are closed right now, but I don't dread working out. You know, I don't dread being active. You know, there's sometimes when you're like, oh, I got to go do this workout. You know, if you're trying to do some chase, some goal, it becomes blah, it becomes work. But if you look at the benefits that exercise can give you, the spiritual, the metaphysical, the, the intrinsic benefits as well as the extrinsic, you turn the corner, you make exercise something else. You make exercise what it truly can be. And exercise is a vehicle to enhance your quality of life. Right? You heard what you know, Paul talks about doing now, lifting stones, lifting rocks. Follow him on Instagram and you'll see that there's a lot of, I mean, he does a lot of cool things. And you know, I'm not at that point yet. But if Paul's been doing it, then I guarantee you 
that other people will start doing it down the line. And, and I mean that, you know, Paul was one of these guys that he's just, he's light years ahead of where everybody else is in the fitness industry. And do I think we're going to be going on this big spiritual meta journey like, like Paul has gone on? I don't think that's going to be the case, but I do think, I really do think that you will start seeing more mindful practices integrating into fitness, more meditation, more spirituality, especially in light of what we've gone through with COVID-19. You know, especially in light of what we've gone through with the virus. I think once we do get back to fitness, there's going to be more of a collective sense of community, of we're all in this together, right? I mean, you, you've seen all these little things, you know, alone together, all that, all that stuff. But that really is the case, right? I think we are coming to kind of a collective unity on that front. And that's one thing that fitness can do is fitness can unite us and all that. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Hopefully you enjoy this conversation. I don't do this that often, but every now and then I like pulling up something, uh, as the old classic rock stations say, from the back of the rack and playing it again. And this was one of those times where after having that conversation with uh, Dorian, I really wanted to kind of follow up with a conversation with Paul and look at spiritual fitness from a slightly different point of view. On that note, if you want to reach out to me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Follow me on Instagram. Instagram is Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. You can check out the YouTube. I'm putting a lot of content up on YouTube. You know, besides these podcasts, I'm trying to put informational videos up on YouTube. And the YouTube channel is All About Fitness Podcast on the YouTube channel. That's All About Fitness Podcast on YouTube. As always, thank you for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.